0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, Iran elected a new president over the weekend, Ibrahim Raisi, Iran's, Iran's hardline judiciary chief who has been sanctioned by the U.S. for human rights abuses. Israel's prime minister, new prime minister, Naftali Bennett, said on Sunday this was, quote, the last chance for world powers to wake up and understand who they are doing business with. A regime of brutal hangmen must never be allowed to have weapons of mass destruction, end quote. The Biden administration says they have the same goal but want to take a softer, more diplomatic
1: approach. To prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. We believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve that uh, rather than military conflict and so we're going to negotiate
0: that was national security Advisor jake sullivan on abc's this week yesterday we'll talk more about this and the administration's reluctance to take on putin last week with ted poe former congressman from texas who served on the house foreign affairs committee And in the wake of the U.S. Supreme Court's unanimous, albeit limited, decision in support of religious freedom of the Catholic social services in Philadelphia, religious leaders and organizations have spoken out clearly.
2: It is my personal hope that today's decision makes it abundantly clear that religious ministries cannot be forced to abandon their beliefs as the price for ministering to those in need.
0: That was Archbishop Nelson Perez of Philadelphia, who oversees Catholic social services. Another Christian option, uh, adoption agency is making clear they will never surrender their religious freedom, even as the left gears up for more attacks on our first freedom. Herbie Newell, president of Lifeline, Christian, uh, Lifeline Children's Services, rather joins us later here on the program. Also, Thursday's court decision left religious freedom advocates both celebrating and lamenting. How can that be? Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy here at the Family Research Council, joins me to explain. So what is the way forward in returning to true religious freedom in America? The ability to exercise your religious faith, not just in the privacy of your home or on your church pew, but in public, where you work, where you go to school. Did the Fulton case move us closer to that goal? We'll discuss that question with former U.S. Solicitor General and former President and Chancellor of Baylor University, Ken Starr, later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. By the way, uh, all of our listeners out in Colorado... Uh, we had a great Stand Courageous conference this uh, past weekend just outside of, of uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. We've got another one coming up. We had actually 16 different states represented at our uh, Stand Courageous conference. And I, I encourage you, we've got another one coming up August the 28th at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, you make your plans now to join us. Go to the website TonyPerkins.com or Stand Courageous. Dot com and follow the links over and uh, make plans now to join us. Also, here's something else you can do. As I've mentioned last week, we're coming up to the end of our fiscal year, June the 30th, and we've got some very uh, generous donors that have put forward a million-dollar match. Effectively, every dollar you give will be matched. So it will be double. If you give $10, it becomes $20. $50 becomes 100 we need you to stand with us. We receive no government funding. Uh, we are here simply because you, folks like you all across this country, support us. And, and I'm thankful uh, as God is blessing what we're doing, we're, we're expanding and we're reaching more and more people with the truth, and it's never been more important to have a source of reliable news from the newsmakers themselves. So we've got folks standing by to, uh, to take your call. If you'd like to partner with us, give us a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. They'll be standing by uh, during today's program and even afterwards to take your call, 800-225-4008. All right. On Saturday, Iran witnessed the lowest ever voter turnout for its presidential election as many shunned the poll, believing that the election was, well, it was in the bag already for the hardliner, uh, Ibrahim Raisi, who won um, clearly with uh, 62 percent of the vote. Now, he, uh, he he set himself up becoming the second highest ranking official in the country after the Supreme Leader of the Islamic Republic. Now, the Biden administration is in a position where it may have to lift the sanctions against uh, Raisi to resume negotiations over Iran's nuclear program if a deal cannot be made before Raisi takes office uh, in early August. Now, on Sunday, Israelis' new prime minister, Naftali Bennett, uh, described Raisi's win as a final wake-up call for world leaders. Listen to what he had to say. Raisi's selection is, I would say, the last chance for the world powers to wake up before returning to the nuclear agreement and to understand who they're doing business with. These guys are murderers, mass murderers.
3: A regime of brutal hangmen must never be allowed to have weapons of mass destruction that will enable it to not to kill thousands, but millions.
0: With me now to talk about this in more, former Congressman Ted Poe, who represented Texas's second congressional district and served on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the Judiciary Committee. Ted, welcome back to the program.
3: Good to talk to you, Tony.
0: You know, Ted, you and I traveled to, uh, to Israel together a number of years ago. Uh, is uh, Prime Minister Bennett's take on this correct?
3: Absolutely correct. Let's uh, just remember what the foreign policy of the Ayatollah is. Number one, destroy Israel. Number two, destroy America. That foreign policy has never changed in all these many years, and that's the plan. And now we've got a president who's not only sanctioned, talking about the uh, Iranian president, sanctioned by our country, but uh, he. it was a rigged election. The Ayatollah picked all the the, uh, people to run. Interesting enough that uh, the government used social media, and canceled all the opponents that were on social media. Uh, interesting uh, uh, what's happening in Iran and the U.S. But anyway, he is a real bad guy, and uh, so much so that like a uh, sanctioned by our own country. And uh, I think, of course, we should not ever get back into this uh, treaty that we finally got out of.
0: I find it. I find it interesting to see who uh congratulated him for his win and those who uh, expressed concern over the win you look at some of these uh different national leaders for instance uh president of turkey uh president erdogan congratulated raisi on his victory saying he believed cooperation between the two neighbors would become stronger he said, I am ready to work with you. Uh, Syria's president, Bashir al Assad, congratulated Raisi on his victory and said he was keen to work with the new president to strengthen uh, the ties. Russian president, Vladimir Putin, congratulated Raisi and, and expressed hopes for, quote, further development of a constructive bilateral. Cooperation, But then you turn in Hamas. We congratulate the Islamic Republic of Iran for success. <laughs> this is hilarious. For the success of the democratic uh, process. Um, you know, when you look at everyone who's praising the outcome, it should tell you something.
3: Absolutely. It's a, bunch of, a band of thieves, all of them. And they are really evil doers. And they're just congratulating each other and Iran in continuing their quest for nuclear weapons and to be the uh, the biggest dog in the valley over in the Middle East. Uh, and, you, and then you have all of these uh, uh, usual suspects who uh, are not friends of the United States. They are not friends of Israel. They are not friends of freedom. They are enemies to all of those that I just said. And uh, so it's no wonder they're patting each other on the back.
0: Now, as I as mentioned, Ray, right, you see um, – has been sanctioned by the u.s. government in his role as the the chief uh, j- judge there in iran um... for crimes against humanity murder and forced disappearance and uh, and torture and yesterday uh, jake sullivan asked about this on one of the sunday shows whether or not uh... in the negotiations they would drop these sanctions against him in order to reach a deal what kind of message does that send to the tyrants and terrorists of the world?
3: Well, if we do that, the U.S. does that, the tyrants, and especially the ones in Iran, will be singing and dancing in the streets. That's exactly what they want to hear. Uh, he is, uh, this, Arauzi is a very bad person. He is uh, uh, pulled over uh, in, in his judicial system uh, Iranian incidents. Uh, good folks in Iran, and they have suddenly, they disappear, they go to the jail for no reason at all. That's why he was sanctioned. He ought to stay sanctioned, and the United States needs to back up and say, wait a minute, we're not going to deal with this guy. Otherwise, long term, it's going to be bad news for the U.S. and bad news, of course, for Israel as well.
0: You, you you bring up a, a an also very important point when we look we talk about iran we need to separate the iranian people from the regime that runs the country uh, we're abandoning those freedom-loving desiring people there in iran that are hoping america will stand firm with its sanctions which is hurting the economy which is putting greater internal pressure on this regime if we fold now those people that have been standing for freedom there in iran suffering the penalty They'll feel abandoned
3: they will be abandoned if we do that and their their persecution will increase uh if we uh, support the new president and, and just to reiterate what she said uh,
0: ted I think we uh we may have you, you faded out on us I think we lost you there let's see if we can get you back well I think we may let's Let's see if we can reconnect with him. Um. But it is clear that what we're looking at here is an administration that is negotiating from weakness rather than strength. Now, remember, the, the Obama administration, they cut the deal, made this arrangement, gave millions of dollars to Iran, released them from the crushing sanctions that had been on them. But Trump came back and pulled out of the deal and put, a, put new sanctions on, and it's working. Uh, their economy, they're struggling. They want out from underneath of these sanctions. That will take the pressure off, and, and we will, literally, we'll, we'll abandon those who are there that want to see Iran a free country and do not support this repressive regime. Not to mention, as I said a moment ago, not to to reiterate, I guess I will, that this sends a horrible message to the tyrants of the world that, look, go ahead and do what you want. Abuse people, torture people, kill people, make them disappear, put them in prison. But if you get to a point and you get nuclear weapons, we'll negotiate with you and we'll remove the sanctions from you personally and from your country, because, you know, this is what we want to focus on. Why should we trust these leaders in Iran to keep their word? Uh, You can't. And look, the mindset in the Middle East, what they what they understand is is power, is forcefulness, is strength. Not weakness, which is what this administration, I believe, is communicating. All right. We weren't able to get uh, former Congressman Poe back on. We lost the connection there. Uh, don't go away because we're going to delve into uh, this court case that came up last week out of the Supreme Court. The Fulton case. Uh, this was the social services, Catholic social services and the city of Philadelphia. It's an important case. It was a victory although limited and narrow in its decision, but we'll be talking later with Ken Starr. It really is setting the stage, I think, in the future, uh, and not too very far, not too distant future, a, uh, maybe a major win for religious freedom in the country. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch after this.
4: What is Roe versus Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts, We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com.
5: Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible reading plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org/slash Bible.
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Make sure you check it out lots of resources there for you. On Thursday, we talked about the breaking news that came out from the U.S. Supreme Court, which ruled 9-0. to zero. Now, first off, I'll just tell you, when it's 9-0, to you've got to take note because the court is so ideologically divided. That means something significant happened or something that really didn't matter a whole lot happened. In this case, I think it was significant. Uh, this was the Fulton versus Philadelphia case. And today I want to highlight this substantial win for religious freedom and dive deeper into the decision which prohibits the city of Philadelphia or any other government entity there from discriminating against organizations because of their religious beliefs. Now, uh, there are some issues here. They didn't go far, as the court has done in many cases In recent years very narrow decisions but still it's a it's a victory and and I'm gonna start by talking with the head of another faith-based social service group that um, refuses to deny or in any way surrender their religious freedom when it comes to whether or not they're going to serve in terms of adoptions and foster care Um, now we've seen in the past where other Christian organizations have you know capitulated and and I, I tell you what I applaud those entities that are not going to surrender the very thing that motivates them to do what they do because you will not be able to go the distance if you surrender what it is that makes that gives you the motivation that that drives you to serve and help others if you surrender the very core of that our christian faith you're not going to make it you're not going to go the distance well one of those entities that says hey We celebrate this victory, but I'm just going to tell you right now, we're drawing a line. We'll never surrender. We'll never back up. Uh, And that is the president of Lifeline Christian Services, Herbie Newell. Uh, Herbie, welcome to the program.
2: Tony, thanks for having me. And we are very excited about this decision and, and what it means for the future of child welfare and especially for Christians and for people of other faiths to participate in a very important sector of our society.
0: This is, uh, you know, to be clear, and I, just to echo what others have said, this is not about prohibiting anyone else from being able to adopt. In this case, Philadelphia demanded that uh, Catholic services, social services, uh, place children with same-sex couples. They said, we can't do that. It violates our, the, the tenets of our faith. Um, but they could easily go someplace else, and they have. And they've gotten uh, foster care. Or they've gotten children through foster care and other things. Um, so this is about entities such as yours, just saying, look, this is who we are. And we need to have the opportunity to to operate according to those beliefs. Right. And even as you started
2: off this section, Tony, I I think it's so important for us to also understand, especially those of us who are faith based and for us that are based on the word of God, the Bible, You know, the only thing that is unshakable is the Word of God and the foundations of truth that we have. And if we're going to continue to capitulate to whatever culture finds as the relevant truth of the day, then we're going to constantly be shifting our our positions, shifting our modules, and shifting the way that we serve. And as a faith-based organization, and specifically for Lifeline, as a Christian organization that's based on the Word of God, We want to serve the most vulnerable, and we want to do it in the way that we know how to do it, in the way that compels us to do it. And it's so important, even as you look across our country, it is particularly faith-based communities, Christian communities that are reaching out to help in child welfare, that are reaching out to adopt and foster. We need these families, and unfortunately, it's these families whose ability and rights have been infringed upon in the last several years, and this is a great victory to say, hey, everyone's rights need to be uh, protected in the same way, not just those of, uh, that, that are contrary to biblical values, but also the religious, the faith-based, and those that are based on a biblical worldview.
0: And Herbie, it's been kind of a, a passing focus in this discussion, but I, I want to step back for just a moment and talk about the severity of the need. It's only increasing as more and more children, uh, because of the breakup of families, because of dysfunctional families, because of no families at all, because of drug addiction, uh, we're seeing a, a huge number of children that need a place. And more and more Christians... And I hear it all the time as I talk to people, feel compelled that this is a way that they can help and minister. But they want to work through an agency like yours. That's right. And I can just echo
2: the need is getting greater, uh, especially in our own country, in our foster care system. More children are being separated from their biological families because of, of abuse or neglect, or or simply because their parents can't find the income to be able to support them. And it's Christian communities that have leaned in in the past and need are needed now to lean in in a huge way to wrap around these kids and to, to give them a home and to give them a family. You know, today we are just one day removed, obviously, from Father's Day. And it was back in the 60s that Patrick Monahan actually authored a report And in the Monaghan report, he said the American family is breaking down. And if we don't address it, we're going to have huge future issues that are going to have to be addressed. And that, that report ended up being very prophetic as it stated that the breakdown of family would lead to more and more children separated from the nuclear family and much more vulnerable. And we're seeing that happen today. And even on the hills of a global pandemic, we're seeing many, many more kids that are in need. And so this is not a time in our country, in our cities, in our states to be precluding religious and faith based organizations from helping. This is a time that we need to be inviting them to help. And for those families, many of them feel the comfort, and they feel the freedom to be able to work with religious organizations, faith-based organizations, Christian organizations, because they know they share the same values, and that they have the same vernacular, and that they have the same calling, and they have the same that uh, they
0: have the same mandate for the reason that they're helping in the first place. Uh, Herbie, you've made very clear that you know the government should not be. Uh, discouraging or discriminating against religious organizations but at the same time you would say that religious organizations should in no way surrender who they are in order to participate in this process
2: absolutely we cannot surrender who we are but we've got to stand firm
0: who we are all right uh, Herbie Newell thanks so much for joining us I'm going to encourage people to take a look at your organization, because those are the type we need to be supporting and standing with and uh, working with. So, Herbie, thanks so much for being with us today. me. All right, folks, don't go away, because we're going to continue this conversation looking more at the Fulton versus Philadelphia decision. You know, many were celebrating, and, and we did but also at the same time lamenting how can you do both how can you celebrate a decision but then lament it at the same time in fact there were some of our favorite justices most constitutionally based justices lamenting this decision we talk about it next with travis weber don't go away
4: where do you get your news do you have confidence you're getting the full truth If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app.
2: As
6: the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org slash worldview. That's frc.org slash worldview.
0: this is washington watch i'm tony perkins your host so good to have you with us check out the website tonyperkins.com again lots of resources there for you look uh don't do this often but i really want to focus on this case the supreme court decision from last week uh, which was between Catholic Social Services and the city of Philadelphia, and the court ruled 9 to 1 in favor of Catholic Social Services, saying that the state, or the city rather, uh, could not exclude them because of their belief about marriage. Now, as I mentioned, in fact, coming up, we're going to look about what's, what's the way forward. We're going to look a little deeper with this with uh, former U.S. Solicitor General Ken Starr is going to be joining us, but for right now, uh, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy, is here. As I mentioned going into the, uh, the previous, uh, out of the previous segment, into the break, many are celebrating and at the same time lamenting this decision. How can that be? Uh, Travis Weber joins us now. Travis, how, how can it be that you know, this was a case that many are celebrating a 9-0 to victory for religious freedom but at the same time lamenting this decision that it, uh, it does not fully support religious freedom? How is that?
1: Yeah, Tony, so basically, you know, you look at the result of this case, it's unanimous, nine to nothing. It's a good result in favor of religious freedom. We want to celebrate that, that uh, the court ruled that this agency does not, uh, it has has a free exercise right against the city of Philadelphia's behavior here, where they were going to grant an exemption for other groups, but not Catholic social services. However, despite the victory, uh, you look at how narrow it is, how much the court basically sidestepped the important underlying questions in the case, how the court failed to address the need for the Smith case, a free exercise precedent, uh, to be overruled. You look at all those factors, and um, it's concerning because the court could have taken a stronger position here, and there are issues coming down the pike the court is going to have to address. And so we we look forward with concern to those issues, which remain, that the court is going to have to address in the years ahead.
0: I mean, when when a case like this, religious freedom, and this is a fundamental freedom, when a case like this, very similar to a, abortion when a case like this gets to the supreme court generally you're anticipating a major precedent that would affect uh, in this case religious freedom across the board but as i understand it in this particular case it was narrow and that was a huge victory for catholic social services uh, and other entities there in philadelphia but it really doesn't set a precedent it leaves in place a previous precedent. That in many ways uh, limited uh, the free expression of religion. Uh,
1: that's true, Tony. Uh, the Smith case holds that um, laws that are general and neutrally applicable that the government um, that puts forth um, can stand without violating the free exercise clause, even if they burden someone's religious faith. And that precedent has been around, been with us since 1990. Congress passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in response to the Smith case, but. To this day, there's our leading uh, modern, um, in, in the modern era, Supreme Court precedent on the Free Exercise Clause. And this is what the dissenters pointed out in the Fulton opinion. Um, Justice Alito pending a long dissent, outlining why Smith should have been overruled here, joined by uh, Justice Thomas and uh, Justice Gorsuch, and noting that. Um, we have serious religious freedom problems in this country today. He mentioned some of the other current issues, the Jack Phillips case, and others, and uh, calling calling um, out that the this Smith precedent does not cleanly deal with those issues, does not protect them. And, and a, a stronger, a better way forward would be strict scrutiny, which says that when, the gov- when someone has a sincere religious belief that's has substantially burdened, the government then has to show a compelling interest that's narrowly advanced in order to allow its regulation to stand. This is a better uh, standard for religious freedom. So the dissenters pointing out that there's going to be continued problems the way ahead, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what the court does in, in the years to come.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Justice Alito uh, just to, I mean as you said it was a long uh, opinion that he wrote in his dissent or adding comments to it one one uh, paragraph he said after receiving more than 2500 pages of briefing and after more than a half year of post argument uh, the court has emitted a wisp Of a decision that leaves religious liberty in a confused and vulnerable state, those who count on this court to stand up for the First Amendment have every right to be disappointed, as am I. End quote. Um, It's like, all right, we're fighting these battles one at a time instead of a major winning the war over religious freedom. They're just these little skirmishes, and so in this case, social services, Catholic social services, won but the bigger protection of religious freedom is being held to be decided for another day.
1: That's true, because in this case, all Philadelphia has to do now is go back to uh, the regulatory drawing board and say we're going to remove the exemption that we provided in other areas of our approach to these contracts and then come back into court and say, well, look, we're being generally and neutrally applicable. And under the Fulton decision that this court issued, um, you know, we don't know what the court would do in the face of the city saying, well, we're now we're neutrally and generally applicable because um, the court basically relied on the fact that they have these this exemptions in their current policy to say, well, this violates the free exercise clause, which is fine. It gets us through the result in this case, but it's narrow, and the city can go and change that, and then we're back in court. The, the court uh, did not address whether a substantially burdened belief uh, can stand in the face of a compelling interest. did not decide whether the interest here was compelling. And that's really the question we're going to be facing uh, in the years ahead under statutory approach like RIFRA or uh, the, free, uh, the Free Exercise Clause when these cases are raised again.
0: But a, uh, on, on the positive, in the positive ledger on this one, is that what we are seeing is that when these cases do make their way to the Supreme Court on Religious Freedom, More times than not, we prevail for religious freedom because of that constitutional foundation. It's just a matter. It's a long, hard slog to get to the Supreme Court to defend this fundamental freedom. But it should be a reminder to everyone that we need to stand for and defend this freedom. Travis Weber, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Folks, stick around. Uh, Ken Starr, former U.S. Solicitor General, joins me next as we look further into this issue and the way forward. That's next.
7: Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network. Spot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com.
6: Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to FRC.org Roe.
8: The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law, and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit FRC.org equalityact Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians
7: have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media and, if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit FRC.org slash Nigeria.
4: Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019 up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts.
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to be with you. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Uh, check out the website. Also, uh, as I mentioned uh, previously, June 30th, between now and June 30th, we have some generous donors that have put forward a $1 million match so that everything you give to support this ministry and this program, to make sure that it continues on the 800 uh, stations, almost 800 stations across the nation. If you give between now and June 30th, it'll be doubled. So give us a call. We've got team members standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can give online by visiting uh, TonyPerkins.com. Okay, we've been talking about uh, the Supreme Court decision last week, uh, the Fulton case. This was the city of Philadelphia, and the Catholic Social Services doing foster Uh, placement there in the city they had a contract with the city the city said no uh, unless you will agree to place children with same-sex couples we're not going to allow you to do this and as we've been discussing the uh, the court ruled in favor of catholic social services but a very narrow decision that affects just that particular case not addressing the underlying issues and what we're seeing is more and more these uh, activists on the left, LGBTQ activists that are really engaging in militant efforts to force all Americans to embrace their lifestyles. And even when it's in confrontation with and in contradiction to religious beliefs, long-held traditional religious beliefs, they want those to be uh, subservient to this push a forced celebration. So what does religious freedom look like going forward? Are we seeing some positive trends in the court? We were just talking about Travis Weber that nine times out of 10 or even more. When a case like this makes its way to the Supreme Court, religious freedom prevails. Are we seeing a pattern that would suggest that maybe the court is going to address the underlying issue and set a precedent in favor of religious freedom. Here to talk about this and more, former U.S. solicitor General Ken Starr, who served uh, for a season as the president and chancellor at Baylor University, and he's an author. His latest book, which we've uh, talked about before in the program, Religious Liberty in Crisis. It came out this past April. Uh, Ken, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. So good to be with you. How is the book doing? It's
9: doing well, but I hope your viewers will buy an extra copy. Well, <laughs> we want I every- mean- We want everyone to learn these great principles, and I know we'll be talking about uh, Fulton, but Fulton is an example of the good news that's happening. But I look forward to our conversation. Thank you for having me on.
0: Well, the book was very timely. Of course, uh, you you didn't have to look into a crystal ball to see that religious freedom was, is, and will continue to be under assault in our country. But let's talk first uh, about the Supreme Court decision last week. Uh, Your initial thoughts on it.
9: Oh, I was delighted. Obviously, all of us wanted uh, the 1990 opinion uh, in Employment Division versus Smith to be overruled. Uh, Congress has stepped in with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was extremely helpful. That was in 1993. But there's been so much cultural water over the dam, as you rightly focus on. Uh, But I didn't expect the court to overrule it. And I think that our Concerns uh, should obviously continue, but I think we should view the glass as definitely half full. And we should be thankful that the Supreme Court of the United States was unanimous in supporting religious liberty. I've read and I understand the concerns of the Uh, not the dissenters, but those who wanted the court to go uh, farther, especially Justice Alito's very colorful suggestion that today's decision is like a piece of magic paper that disappears. And there is that danger, but I think it's more theoretical than real. Uh, The symbolism, first of all, politically and culturally, of the Supreme Court of the United States, nine to nothing, rebuffing Essentially, the cultural elite, including I'm a lawyer, the American Bar Association sided with Philadelphia. The cultural elite was entirely in favor of the city of Philadelphia coming in and excluding this wonderful Catholic social service has been an operation in Philadelphia, not only uncontroversially, but effectively for well over a century. And so this was a culture wars kind of attack on CSS. I was so sad to see that the judges in the lower courts all sided with Philadelphia, the district court sided with Philadelphia, the three judges on the court of appeals sided with Philadelphia. So I think we should be celebrating and girding our loins as Uh, Justice uh, Amy Coney Barrett suggested, let's start doing the hard work about what's going to replace employment division versus Smith, which just says, just to make sure we're on common ground, that if here a legislature or a city council passes a law of general applicability, it is neutral in terms of it's not singling out religion for separate treatment, then the judges are not to create under the free exercise clause a religious based conscientious objection. And that was the rule of Employment Division versus Smith. But Employment Division versus Smith set its face against the great traditions of American constitutional law. It was out of step. But now it's still on the books, other than with respect to the federal government. It still applies to to the federal government. But with respect to state and local governments, they can say, look, Employment Division versus Smith will correct, the city of Philadelphia may very well do this, will correct this defect of allowing an exemption or the decision maker in Philadelphia in the foster child placement uh, regulatory apparatus to not permit any exceptions whatsoever. And then we have Employment Division versus Smith all over again. So the case will come up. There's no question. The case will come up. But I'm optimistic. Uh, Not that it'll be unanimous, but I think it'll be six to three to overrule Employment Division versus Smith and for religious freedom to have yet another victory to celebrate and to be thankful for.
0: Well, let's let's talk about that way forward, because I I agree. I think I I actually like reading uh, Justice Alito's um, opinions because they remind me of Scalia. Uh, He's kind of taken (laughs) taken on that role. But uh, Justice Gorsuch also wrote about this. He uh, he he mentioned he said, uh, uh, quote, one way or another, the majority seems determined to declare there is no need or reason to revisit Smith today. But tell that to Catholic Social Services, its litigation has already lasted years and today's. Uh, your resolution uh, promises more of the same. So, I mean, there's going to be other cases in the pipeline. But you've worked before the Supreme Court before, and uh, I kind of get this sense that the court operates with this concern over maintaining homostasis or political equilibrium in their decision not to to radically change things from precedent too much. Is the court, and, and Roberts, and this decision and others, do you think they're setting the stage to revisit Smith and overturn it and go back to a, a more vibrant view of the First Amendment.
9: Yes, I do. But you know, we're reading tea leaves here. But I was encouraged by a Justice uh, Barrett's a separate opinion that was joined by a Justice Kavanaugh. So two great friends of religious freedom were saying, let's take this one step at a time. We don't need to go farther in this particular case. So I believe that the shots across the bow from Justice Alito and Justice Gorsuch are very helpful to us. They tell us that there will be another day and another fight. And again, I'm very sad, but in a nutshell, for 40 years, with very few exceptions, the Supreme Court has been a friend of religious liberty and reversing district courts and courts of appeals that have tended to go the other way. Following the lead of the culture, so I think we should again be very thankful, watchful. Let's move forward, uh, keep the court in our, our prayers, and do the hard work that Amy, uh, that Justice uh, Amy Coney Barrett has suggested that we do. What is going to replace? She asked. Uh, Employment Division versus Smith—that the issues just weren't developed enough. So it's an incremental approach, and that's not unusual for the court to say, "Let's proceed incrementally," uh, as opposed to "Let's do everything all at once" in the fashion of the court under Earl Warren, uh, a half century plus ago.
0: So, Ken Starr, if I were to say to—well, uh, I'm going to have you say it—to to, uh, to <laughs> our viewers, our listeners across the country, we have a duty. Uh, in this, we have a part to play, and that is to live out our religious conviction and not be intimidated by those overreaching government authorities that may try to limit, as the city of Philadelphia did, because we'll never get to uh, the court revisiting this unless there are those Americans who are willing to stand up and exercise it. Exactly.
9: We're to be as Joshua of old, and us to be courageous. Uh, we're to be uh, like the two. I love to use the analogy of the two spies going into the land of Canaan and coming back and say, "Let's go. We can do this." As opposed to the ten timorous <laughs> spies, who were probably the best and the brightest and the bravest and so forth of the ten tribes that they represented. Let's go with the two. Uh, and be be courageous, be vigilant, and exactly right. Let's blow the whistle when religious liberty is under assault. Let's do the work that I think we've been called upon to do. I like to call upon the Apostle Paul's example in the Book of Acts. He was willing to litigate. We don't let We shouldn't be litigating against brothers and sisters, but we can litigate against the culture. Doing this peacefully, win obviously winsomely. Uh, but also persuasively, and we're winning these cases in the Supreme Court of the United States time and time again.
0: And it doesn't always lead to litigation, because sometimes it's just if we all were committed to living out our faith, unhindered by the cultural forces or the, the, uh, the, uh, the government authorities that are sometime contrary, not all, but some, If we would have said, you know, we don't care, we're going to do what we were told to do, you know, who are we going to obey, man or God? I actually think you'll find the other side in retreat if there's enough of us standing up, exercising these fundamental rights. And the good thing about this is that we have a solid foundation as Americans because of our First Amendment freedom. Precisely
9: right. We do have to stand up at times, and you're right. Uh, It may very well be that litigation will not be necessary. Uh, and uh, God bless uh, those decision makers, uh, city council persons and so forth, school board members who are willing to say, you know, let's, let's don't fight this. We may have a different view culturally than the faith communities over here, but it's, it's not worth it. But thus far, uh, it's, let us give thanks for the wonderful groups like Alliance Defending Freedom and First Liberty and the Beckett Fund. And those who are, I call them, the sentinels of liberty. There are Minutemen who head to the Lexington Village Green uh, because those who would oppose liberty, those who would oppose freedom, are on the march. They're heading toward Concord. So we need to uh, be prepared for that. And and happily, I think we are ever more vigilant, ever more aware. And what we see is the Supreme Court is rewarding these kinds of efforts on behalf of groups here. It was the Beckett Fund that successfully defended Catholic social services. And in this denominational lines, Tony and Mike, you just don't count because we're all in, shall That's I say... True the faith community of freedom we all are united by a fervent commitment to not a our particular philosophy we're talking about
0: a constitutional philosophy right. of freedom kidstar are as always great to talk with you before we wrap up where can folks get a copy of your book
9: well wherever books are sold as the old saying goes uh, but i do have a plug for a Christian uh, bookstore. And, of course, uh, Mardell's carries it, by the way, uh, a prominent uh, uh, chain of bookstores, over 30 uh, in number across uh, the country. But there's also a small uh, mom-and-pop shop. I'll be very quick about this. But if people want to make note, Hearts and com, a Christian bookstore outside Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I have no ownership interest, but they're a wonderful couple godly couple who uh, have this bookstore and they'll give you a 20 percent discount
0: all right well we'll tell people to uh, to check them out uh, ken Starr, as always great to talk with you thanks so much for uh, joining us today thank you tony always a pleasure all right uh, dr ken Starr. find out more go to the website tonyperkins.com bottom line is that we have to stand firm for our faith and live it out Courage breeds courage. You, 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 you see that. I, I liked on this program to bring those on who are standing up for our freedoms, our, our political freedoms, our religious freedoms. And when someone stands up, it's not long until others will join with them. Will you be that one? Will you stand up for your God given freedom and your freedom that the Constitution recognizes? Your freedom is not given to you by government. It is recognized by government as a God-given right to which our government should protect. Now, as we move into a culture that moves further and further away from biblical truth and minds of men and women are darkened, well, they trample upon that right. But how do we preserve it for our, ch- our children our grandchildren, for future generations? Well, I'll tell you how we preserve it. We use it. We stand upon it. Uh, If it requires litigation, as uh, Ken Starr said, then we'll do that. And you've got great organizations, First Liberty, ADF, uh, Liberty Council, uh, Beckett, ready and willing to defend those whose rights are taken. But you've got to stand up for them. All right, folks, out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Again, visit the website. Give us a call. Uh, if you'd like to support us and stand with us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words that the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Also, to leave
1: a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 372 7234 That's one 372 7234